your copy of Scripture, the Gospel, the Good News, according to Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and we're going to read from the second chapter. We're going to read verse 25 in just a moment or so. Some of you have read the book or, uh, and or seen the movie, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe by C.S. Lewis. It's a marvelous story with, well, it's full of, um, of wonderful spiritual truths. It takes place in the mystical land of Narnia, a land that, is, that lives under the curse of the White Witch. Four children make their way there via a uh, wardrobe, a clothes chest, and um, and they meet a man named Mr. Tumnus, a fawn. And Mr. Tumnus, Menardia, by the way, is a cold and frigid place, again, under the curse of this white witch. And, and Mr. Tumnus says uh, to Lucy, it is winter in Narnia and has been forever so long. Always winter, never Christmas. Always winter, never Christmas. Is there someone in this room for whom this feels like winter, but not Christmas? There's an empty chair perhaps uh, at the table, and it feels like winter, not Christmas. Someone close to you has died in recent months or maybe recent years even, and it still feels like winter and not Christmas. Maybe your parents have split up and you'll spend your first Christmas, uh, first December the 25th, with with a divided home and it feels like winter and not Christmas. The company maybe has said that... um, that after the holidays, there are going to be cutbacks, and so it feels like winter and not Christmas. Maybe your finances are so low you can see the bottom, and it feels like winter and not Christmas. You don't know if your marriage will make it till Valentine's Day, and it feels like winter and not Christmas. Unlike in the Hallmark movies, the love of your life, uh, the one you thought was the love of your life, didn't think that you were the love of their life, and so it feels like winter and not Christmas. Everybody seems happy but you, and, and sometimes you just want to scream, does anybody see me? Does anybody recognize that for me it feels like winter and not Christmas? I want to take a quick moment to talk to those of us who, for whom this is a good year, for whom, you know, family's good and work is good and life is good and health is good, for whom, those of us for whom this really does feel like Christmas. And I want to tell you a a sad, funny story. Betty Lunsford emailed me uh, a story. It was an email that the storyline said a story uh, too good not to pass on. And I read it. It was a a great story written by a lady named Mae Patterson that I'd not read. But it's a blog. This post um, was about a party. A a young lady named Beth was hosting a Christmas party for her mother's friends who lived in a nearby uh, senior uh, living facility. So they were gathered and gathering in the room, and um, and Maxine was Beth's dog. Ma- uh, Beth's dog, Maxine, was a good dog, a pug, a sweet dog that had lived a good long life, and 
And Maxine was lying as Maxine always did on that red plaid doggy pillow over by the fireplace. It was such a beautiful scene. Her mother's friends gathering in for the party and Maxine peacefully resting on that doggy pillow. And then Beth, uh, as, as her, her mother's friends gathered in, Beth looked real closely at Maxine and noticed that Maxine was more still than usual. In fact, Maxine, Maxine wasn't breathing. Maxine had, let's just say God had called Maxine home. If, there is, if all dogs go to heaven, Maxine already had gone through the doggy door of the pearly gates. So now Beth is a bundle of mixed emotions and thoughts. Part of her is sad, I've lost Maxine after all these years, but she was grateful for Maxine's long and good life and that she had passed peacefully. But now she's wondering, what do I do with Maxine? I mean, on the one hand, do you, you know, does she just, excuse me, ladies, but my dog has died. I need to remove the body. That'll kill a party. You know, that's just a bad thing. And, or does she, does she just hope that nobody notices? Well, she opted for uh, number two. And, and, um, and she held her breath several times. If she thought... Uh, one lady, one lady had, she has red suede uh, high heel shoes and tripped and headed right toward Maxine, but caught herself at the last moment on the chair. One lady said, what a good dog. She doesn't mind having company. <laughs> Beth thought, no, she's not going to mind today. She's not going to mind. Another lady said, your dog must think we're boring. No, that's not it. Uh, that's not it, Beth thought. Beth thought, what if someone pets Maxine? That'll be, oh my goodness, she thought. What if someone pets her and finds that Maxine's gone to glory? What that would be, that ruin a party. Well, as it happened, things passed. Nobody petted Maxine. Nobody fell on Maxine. Everybody went home, uh, none the wiser. And, and then the body was, I'm sure, properly uh, disposed of or with, I'm sure, I'm sure good words were, were said. At the end of the story, the lady, Mae Patterson, said, I'd like to thank uh, Beth Bice for this story. And I thought, well, I know a, I know a Beth Bice. I went to college with uh, Beth Bice. She's, she's in our church. I emailed Beth. I said, Beth, was that you? And there's Beth, would you wave so everybody can see who I'm talking? You waved really, that was, that's, not, that's a little bitty wave. <laughs> So that was Beth Maxine that uh, went to glory right in the middle of the Christmas party. May Patterson, who wrote the story, made the point at the end, you can go to a Christmas party and not notice that there's death in the room. You can go to a Christmas party and not notice that everybody is not celebrating. You can make merriment and not notice that, that everybody's not making merriment. Mark 10 says about Jesus, he beheld the man. He looked at him. He held him. He didn't look around him or beyond him. He didn't look around the room to see who else was there whom he might greet. He beheld the man. There may be someone whom you need to behold this Christmas. But what if you're the one who's, who's grieving? 
There have been lots of uh, articles I've seen this Christmas about grieving at Christmas, very helpful. One was by, uh, or quoted a, ca- a, a counselor named Trudy Tharp who said, you know, holidays represent special memories and loss is harder and so on. But there are four important words that, that I hope you'll take home with you. And those important four words are, but there is hope. And that's what I want to talk about from Luke 2, verse 25, if you have your Bibles open. If we began at verse 1, we'd see the Christmas story, Mary and Joseph in the census and Nazareth and Bethlehem and the shepherds and the angels. But this is now eight days after that first Noel, that first Christmas, and here we read in verse 25, now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation, and that's the word we're going to pull over and park and talk about. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him, well, and the Holy Spirit was on him. We'll stop there. Verse 26, if we were to continue to read, says that it had been revealed to him by the Spirit that he would not die before he saw the Messiah. And then verse 27, it says, moved by the Spirit, he went to the temple, which means that morning God woke him up and said, Simeon, go to the temple. You're going to, I've got a surprise for you at the temple. And and they brought, Mary and Joseph brought Jesus uh, like we, like parents bring their children for dedications. And they gave him his name and he was circumcised and they dedicated him to the father. And and Simeon held him. He, He asked, could I hold your baby? And they let him hold Jesus. And he knew, they just knew this is the Messiah for whom they'd longed. But they had been longing. He had been waiting for the consolation. That's the word, the word consolation. I'm not a Greek scholar, but I have some good books, and I looked up that word that's translated consolation. It is the word paraklesine, paraklesine. It's, it, it's, it, it means called alongside, para like parallel, and klesine comes from the Greek word kaleo, to call. So when they were waiting for the consolation of Israel, they were waiting for Emmanuel, God with us. It's the same word when Jesus said, I'm leaving, but when I leave, the comforter will come. It's the same word. He said, when I... When I leave, the paraclete will come. The one, someone will come alongside you. There are two really important things to note about this important word, consolation, or paraclesine. Number one, paraclesine is not alleviation. It is incarnation. It is not the alleviation of the source of our hurt and our grief and our pain. It is rather someone to come alongside us. Paraclesine is not the the alleviation of pain. When Simeon left the temple, those cruel Roman soldiers would still be outside. People would still be dying. People would still be hurting. There would still be disease. It was not the alleviation of Israel's suffering. It was that someone was coming alongside them. Comfort in the Bible does not mean the alleviation of our our heartache. It means, though, that you'll never walk through this alone. Or as someone said, uh, the people of God don't always win, but they never lose alone. David, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because there is someone walking with me. I'm not walking, I'm not walking this journey alone. You know what it is when you lose someone or you're hurting and somebody comes to sit with you. It's not that they take away the source of your pain. it means that some, I'm not by myself. Emmanuel means God with us. And so, so they were waiting for God to come alongside them in ways that he had not before. So if you're hurting, uh, there, there is no promise that your suffering will be eliminated or alleviated. There is the promise that you don't walk through this alone. It's not alleviation. It is, it is incarnation, the embodiment of God in Jesus 
It's not um, also paraclesine, this coming alongside. It's not jubilation. It's not jubilation, it's consolation. It's not, you know, fireworks and party hats. It's not dancing in the streets and parades. It's not, woohoo, I'm great. It's, I'm going to be okay. Paraclesine is not a party. Paraclesine is hope. This week, I visited a widow whose husband died this fall. So the grief is still new and the wound is still raw. After our visit, as I was leaving, I said to her, I hope you have a great Christmas. Then I caught myself and I said, I hope you have a good Christmas. She said, how about a tolerable Christmas? If all is well, then tolerable is not all that attractive. But if your heart is broken, if you're grieving, if it feels like winter and not Christmas, then you'll take tolerable. Because tolerable is hope. Paraclesine, they were waiting for someone to come alongside them, not to alleviate their suffering, but to, to walk with them through it. Not to make everything a party, but to give them hope. Does it feel like winter and not Christmas? If I were in preaching class, um, the professor would tell me to wrap things, not to wrap things up, but to, not as in ending, he would say, wrap it up like a Christmas present. You know, put a ribbon on it, put a, put a bow on it, and let people know that this, is, um, that this is where they go from here, and here's the final conclusion. But honestly, I don't, I don't really have a conclusion today. And I know some of you are thinking, man, I came here to sing Christmas carols, not to talk about grief. But I do want to tell you a story. Ten months ago, I, I remember right where I was, and uh, I remember the tone in our daughter's voice when she called. And she said, Dad, Kim is dead. Kim is her mother-in-law, our son-in-law's uh, mother 58 years old, healthy, picture of health, just life, it, life was wonderful. And that morning, she was supposed to meet a friend and, um, and didn't show, and that was so uncharacteristic for Kim that uh, her friend went to her home and found her. She had died suddenly, unexpectedly. Kim, I still remember my daughter's voice. Dad, Kim is dead. D. Ray, her widower, uh, D. Ray Davis, um, the other grandfather to two of our grandchildren, 
uh, is a prince of a guy. They were, mem- they were missionaries in South Africa for a long, long time. That's where our son-in-law, Paul, grew up. And, um, and, and D-Ray is dealing with this in a healthy way. Uh, he's, he's, he's working with a counselor to, to deal with this deep grief, and he's writing, he's, he's blogging. And, and he gave me permission uh, to share this with you. This was um, just from a few days ago. Please listen carefully. The firsts are tough. The old memories spill in on you with the reminder that there are no new memories to replace the ones lost. I had heard that Thanksgiving and Christmas were among the hardest. I assumed I had time to prepare. I was wrong. I thought I had time to brace myself. I didn't. Kim's childlike wonder at Christmas lights was always a source of pleasure to me. I enjoyed Christmas. I also enjoyed Christmas through Kim's eyes, her touch, her influence, her imagination. But she's gone, and I am facing loss. I have been told, and I believe Christmas will never be the same. It's now another one of the horrible firsts. Don't get me wrong, the reason behind this magnificent season has not gone away. But there's an overlay of grief that goes with how it's always been celebrated. It's inevitable. Remember, this is 10 months. We grieved her death and celebrated her life on February the 25th, 2019, 10 months ago. D-Ray wrote that in November, just a few weeks ago, he was in the car when he was scrolling through the, uh, the radio stations when he stumbled on the first Christmas carol he'd heard this year. It was O Holy Night, Kim's favorite carol. He continues, I began to weep. No warning. I realize now that even the firsts have first. The first Christmas had the first Christmas carol. And wouldn't you know it, it had to be Kim's favorite Christmas carol. How ironic, how perfect. It was one of those out of the blue, ready or not moments I wasn't prepared. You've heard of people seeing their life flash before their eyes. I had my Christmas and my Christmases flash before my eyes. I love Christmas. What a holy night indeed. But today it's once again another reminder of my horrible loss, a hole in my heart. However, I will face my loss with hope because of the incarnate Messiah. I believe however is the most important word you'll hear this morning. For some of you, it's all you can hold on to. It's the however of Christmas. That is consolation, it's not alleviation, the alleviation of the source of your pain. It's not jubilation, it's not woohoo, it's by God's grace I'm going to be okay. Does it feel like winter and not Christmas? Summer is coming. Philip Yancey lives in Colorado. He wrote that behind his house there's a a stream that freezes every Christmas, every winter. He said um, it becomes a solid, cold piece of ice. But he said if you get up real close and you listen, You can hear the sound of the water running beneath. 
It's muffled, he said, but it's unmistakable. That muffled sound of water beneath is the promise that summer is coming. That is what Simeon was waiting for. And that, for somebody in this room, is hope. And we're going to sing a hymn of invitation. It is number 83, hymn number 83. I invite you to make a decision.